Boost contains adult themes and language. Listener beware. Welcome to another episode of Boozed, where we get supernatural and shit-faced. Today, I have with me uh, a lovely special guest, uh, recording remotely from somewhere in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, Mr. Bobby. Hello. Hello. How are you? I am doing all right. It's been, I mean, we've all had, we were talking about it earlier, we've all had an interesting year. So uh, it's not too bad. It could be a lot worse. Well, good, good. Glad you are doing well. Um, Excited to have you on. How about you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Um, All right. I don't don't know exactly if you want me to just like list out my resume or as it pertains (laughs) to what we're talking about tonight. Well, I know you do some like, I know you do some like performance work. Uh, I do, I do. Some fight work. Tell us a little bit about those things. That's good, because I was going to be like, my favorite color is purple, and I love long walks on the beach. Hey, there might um, be someone that is also pertinent information. Right. Okay. I'll uh, leave my number at the end. And <laughs> I'm probably not going to do that, actually. That'd be sad. Um, no. Love so, line. Yeah. I, I guess the easy, easy. Yeah. <laughs> Can I get a, I need a match. Um, <laughs> I, I guess the easiest thing for me to say is, and when people ask me, it's like, oh, what do you do for a living? I don't always know what to say. The easiest thing, the blanket statement I give is that I'm, I'm a martial artist. And um, I've trained in martial arts since I was little, a variety of different styles, although my, my main focus and specialty is on Chinese martial arts or Chinese Kung Fu. Um, and that has allowed me to do a lot of different things, at least up until the last couple of months. Um, I teach and help work to build martial arts schools. I, uh, you know, we met through local Dallas uh, theater projects where I do a lot of work um, as a fight choreographer and you know sometimes I act as well and I help um, like I'm, I'm on the board for Altered Shakespeare um, also do some different live video projects and here lately I've been doing a lot of recording as well so yeah just martial arts all things martially related from Tai Chi in the park for health to uh, little kids classes to women's self-defense and I guess everything in between. What do you have like a certain dojo that you work out of a certain company that you want to promote that, you know, deals with your martial arts work? Um, one of the, one of the cool things about what I've gotten to do is um, I work for a lot of different companies and different groups. Uh, I would like to give a little plug if I can for to the place where I'm broadcasting from now, because all of the work, a lot of the work, I should say that I got to do over, over COVID, we went to online classes and things like that were because of one of the organizations I've worked with for several years. Um, It's called Simply Aware, and it's spelled exactly uh, like you would think, Simply Aware. And it's simplyaware.com. They do a lot of Chinese-based health practices. I do Tai Chi and Kung Fu classes through there. And the reason that I'm super like 
excited to give a shout out to them is because the place where I'm recording from, it's kind of a private broadcasting studio. And so I, we've got access to a voice booth, a training center where we can film and I do Zoom classes on there um, and things like that. And so that, that's where I'm sitting right now, somewhere in Dallas. It's actually in the Richardson area. And yeah, they're making it possible for me to be able to talk with you guys tonight. Awesome. Well, thank you, Simply Aware. Anything else you would like to share about yourself before we move forward? About me? Uh, I, I don't know. Um, I, I guess if anything comes up as we go along, feel free to ask questions. Okay. Kind of an open book. I, things have been weird here lately um, for work and for everything. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, then we'll skip to the next question. Oh, uh, how, many, how many questions are on the sheet out of curiosity? 132. And we're on two. All right. You got yeah, this. Yeah. Yeah. That was actually, yeah, this is number two. Uh, so buckle in. Um, <laughs> um, what are you uh, drinking this evening? Are you drinking this evening? Oh, so I actually, I meant to, and I, I meant to text you or email you earlier and ask if I needed to be drinking because I, if, if the answer was yes, I failed in that regard. <laughs> I have a root beer float in front of me. You know and what? We're just going to hope that the sugar kicks in and maybe hypes you up a little bit. I did have a lot of caffeine earlier, so there's a good chance. Okay. Um, but seriously, like, take, take a shot of whiskey for me, and I, I would appreciate that. Yes, so. I will do that because um, I am drinking, so this will be a drunk host episode instead of a drunk guest episode, which has happened before, so it's okay. Um, right, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see how drunk I can get her, guys. It's going to be Oh, awesome. God. Oh, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I'm drinking uh, – this is the – Woodford Reserve. I oh, thought it, I thought it was whiskey, but now that I'm drinking it, it might be the bourbon because I am not enjoying it. Oh, um, or it's been in my cabinet too long. Yeah, long. Has, well, a, good, has a bit of a bite. Is, I, I like bourbon as well, so you still have to have that shot for me. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> I may not finish it. I've not had dinner, so I may not need to finish it before I'm shit faced. So it's fine. Nice. Um, we're going to hope this popcorn evens out some of the ratio of alcohol to nothingness in my stomach because I've actually not eaten today. That's a you great know, decision that I've made as, myself. As far as drunk food goes, I, don't, I mean, I don't know how well I think popcorn is going to do. I guess we're, we'll put it through its paces tonight and find out. Yeah. Moving on to our topic for this evening, what's, what story of the, the spooky variety have you brought us this evening? So what's funny is I originally had an idea that maybe I would do, uh, I've only listened to a few episodes and I didn't come across anybody talking about specifically like Eastern themes or Eastern scary stories or ghost stories or, or where the difference is in the different kinds of ghosts and demons and vampires and, and all that sort of thing. And I thought that I would do a little bit of an overview of that originally until I just really got immersed in Chinese culture and realize that there's a bunch of stuff to talk about there like by itself and uh so i was thinking kind of culturally um because this is what i've spent a lot of my time studying with the chinese martial arts i speak a little bit of the language it's been fun to learn new characters as i've gone through this process um i've got some different ghost stories and I, i've got them kind of segmented up based on topic that we can explore however we like 
um, and kind of looking at like the, the Chinese view, the way that they approach ghosts and spirits and demons and ghouls and all kinds of stuff. I, I was, I'm hoping that that'll be fun. I'm excited. So yeah, absolutely. Um, jump right in. Yeah, wherever you want to get started, let's go. Ancient China, in terms of Chinese, the, the evolution of that society, um, ghost stories are among the earliest forms of literature that you can find. Like going back to the equivalent of caveman paintings on the wall, you find those harrowing tales of all the bad things that can happen. And along with that, you, you, you know, people have these explanations for why do the bad things happen? Like there must be evil things out there trying to get you beyond just, just the animals that we can see. And so ghost stories in China date back to um, their oral traditions go back well before writing developed. Um, and writing developed in the, the Shang dynasty, which is, you know, somewhere around 1600 BC. Um, and so ghost stories go back well before that. They continue to be popular in, in Chinese culture, like in all cultures today. I think everywhere in the world loves to sit around a campfire and just scare the crap out of each other. I feel like that's a time-honored human tradition. Yeah, um, that, there's, a, there's an entire industry built. <laughs> built just on that, right. Just on that, and yeah. The funny thing is the way that they've evolved is very similar in some ways to kind of like Grimm's fairy tales because ghosts and spirits and demons were uh, treated very, very seriously by the ancient Chinese. Whereas in modern day society, um, there's almost this idea that maybe ghosts exist and they have the power to, to really harm you if you really believe in them. Um, but kind of the light of day and knowledge and just stealing up your heart can make up for a lot of that. In ancient China, they were a reality and they could mess with you no matter what. Like if you <laughs> believed in them, if you didn't believe in them, sometimes you were just a victim of circumstance. Whether you were brave or not, the ancient Chinese were super wary of the supernatural. Yeah, my, um, a friend of mine is very much into Asian horror films. Mm -hmm. And one thing that we always, she, she, the theme like we, she always comments on and that we always kept seeing was that the ghost story ones, it didn't matter whether you were the bad guy to that ghost or, you know, mm -hmm. just an innocent bystander, that ghost was coming to fuck your shit up. Like, yes. it just, it didn't matter if you were born at the time of whatever happened. And I guess that's a theme for a lot of ghost stories, but it really seemed like it just wasn't anything about vengeance when it came to, like, these Asian horror film monsters or ghosts or demons. It was just, if you were in the room, yep. then you're in trouble. Yeah, and the funny thing is, is and we can, we can talk about this later, there are whole classifications for the different types of spooks out there. Um, some of them are assigned a vengeful nature. Some of them are almost considered like forces of nature. It's, it just is, and if you're in the way, tough luck. You're, you're going to get screwed over. Um, and in some of these stories, it's not guaranteed that you're going to make it out because you're a virtuous character. They were just as likely to kill you and the bad guy to make it out alive as the reverse of that. Um, and, and, and actually more so when we talk about, because what I actually want to start off with is the classical ghost. And when we think of a ghost, um, there's actually two types in Chinese culture. They have human ghosts and you can have animal ghosts. And in fact, the, the humans are viewed as a part of the natural order of things. So later on, when we talk about special sorts of creatures, you will see that humans can become animals and very much like werewolf type deal, but animals can evolve to a point within their own lifetimes of 
taking on human characteristics. That's where the term like fox spirit, the nine-tailed fox spirits and things like that uh, start to have prevalence in Chinese and Japanese cultures. Sometimes they were animals that were becoming human. Um, and there's a different concept of the soul that happens when you talk in Chinese. There's actually two parts to your soul. And depending on which part you piss off or how it happens, it depends on what kind of haunting you're going to get. Oh, right? Fun. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I guess if you want, and I got, a, I got my folders up here because I, I, um, while I have several of these stories memorized, I would not obviously tell them properly, just out of memory. So if you want, um, I have a few short stories and I've got a couple of stories that are cut into pieces that we can look at. And we can go into a story now talking about human ghosts if you want to. Yes, bring it on. Um, so real quick, before we get into the story, a little bit of background. Uh, this is going to read slightly archaic, kind of like Grimm's fairy tales. You know, some of the different, uh, the, the timeline is, is almost like feudal. They're going to be talking about a Taoist priest. Um, or a magistrate or that sort of thing. And they have the same equivalence that we do in, in Western society. A Taoist priest or a Buddhist priest would be like your, your just standard priest. They would have knowledge of the occult and that sort of thing. And then the other thing to know is, if you've ever seen Coco, was that, was that a Disney movie or a Pixar movie, I think it was? Uh, Disney Pixar, yeah. A lot of cultures and the Chinese are very similar. When you died, um, there was a journey that you undertook. And usually it was crossing some sort of bridge or going into the afterlife or something like that. Um, are you an anime fan at all? Have you ever watched Dragon Ball Z? Um, I, I'm, I'm, I would con classify myself as an anime light fan because I know if I say I'm an anime fan, I'm gonna get shit for not knowing certain things because of the animes, I have never watched Dragon Ball Z. Interesting, um, okay, yeah. totally fine. It's just for, for anybody out there who's familiar with that show, when you die, they line you up going across a bridge and you have to get interviewed by King Yema. That's a real thing. That's an Asian cultural thing. And okay. so you kind of get judged. And if you're judged poorly, they throw your ass off the bridge and you wind up in hell or the underworld, depending on your religious beliefs. And um, if you're judged appropriately, you go on to heaven or you can even get reincarnated after a period of time. Um, and so you've always got this idea that um, there's, a, there's a journey and you can get to the other side. But if you were not buried correctly, if you, uh, particularly it was a burial, if you died under duress or, or um, had unfinished business or had made a vow, you could get stuck here. And uh, in this story, as you'll see, sometimes other things could, could stick you here against your will. Um, so this story is called, okay, I'm not 100% sure what this story is called. It's in Chinese, and this one was written in classical Chinese, and I found a couple of different translations. I can translate Chinese very slowly, but classical Chinese is beyond me. It's, it's like, like the equivalent of old English. So I believe it's either I called mean, the Magic. I mean, why even bother if you can't do it? Just <laughs> okay, <end> so <laughs> we're going to move on to the next story then. Uh, let's, just, let's just put it. <laughs> no, no, next. go back, go back, go back. <laughs> so it's either called the Magic Sword or the Magic Sword Case. I've seen it written both ways. Um, now, okay, so I've got to get to the beginning of the story. All right, guys, the Magic Sword. This is um, taken from uh, the, the gentleman who wrote this down. I don't know if it was originally or if he just compiled them, but it's uh, Pu Songling, and it's just, just his strange stories, right? And it's about a young scholar traveling away from his family, and he comes across in this city. He's looking for a place to stay, and he comes across what he believes is a, an abandoned temple or a temple that only has monks, and it looks like there's a few apartments and that sort of things. 
please bear with me, guys. For anyone out there who actually speaks Chinese, I'm going to do my best with this. I, I have been told my pronunciation isn't bad, but Chinese names are still Chinese names. So if you're out there and you're fluent in Chinese, don't judge me too harshly here. But this gentleman's name is Ning, Ning Sai Chen, and he was a man from Chukyang, and he was a good-natured, honorable fellow. He happened to go to Qinhua, and he took shelter in a temple to the north of the city. It was very nice as far as ornamentation went, but had overgrown, overgrown grass, taller than a man's head, and was evidently not much frequented. On either side were priests' apartments and what looked like apartments for, for rent or where you could lodge, the doors of which were ajar, with the exception of one small room on the south side where the lock had a new appearance. So he roamed about, waiting until the priest should return or somebody should return to the room. And in the evening, a gentleman came and opened the door on the south side. Ning, I think it's Ning. Ning quickly made up to him with a bow, informed him of his design to stay. There's no one here whose permission you need to ask, replied the stranger. I'm only lodging here, and if you don't object to the loneliness, I shall be very pleased to have the benefit of your society. Ning was delighted, and he made himself a straw bed in one of the empty apartments, put up a board for a table as if he uh, intended to remain for more than a few days, and that night, by the beams of the clear bright moon, they sat together on the veranda and talked. The stranger's name was Yen, uh, Yen Chi Xia, let's just call him Yen. And Ning thought he was a student up for, up for provincial examinations, which were taking place in the city at the time. Only his dialect was not local. And on being asked, he said he came from a different part of the country. And there was genuinely just a, an air of straightforwardness about all of his remarks. By and by, when their conversation was exhausted, they bade each other good night and went to bed. But Ning, being in a strange place, was quite unable to sleep. Soon he heard the sounds of voices from the room on the north side. Getting up, he peeped through a window and saw in the small courtyard in between a woman of about 40 and an old maid servant. They were clearly waiting for somebody, just chatting by the light of the moon. She ought to be here by now, replied the other, and she'd hardly uttered these words when up came a young girl of about 17 or 18 and very pretty. And as far as that goes, she goes, why, if I were a young fellow, I would certainly fall in love with you, my dear. The lady replied, if you don't praise me, I'm sure I don't know who will. Exchanging pleasantries, they just kept chatting together. Ning, thinking they were the family next door, turned around to sleep without paying further attention to them. In a little while, no sounds were to be heard. But just as Ning was dropping off to sleep, he perceived that somebody was in the room. Jumping up in great haste, he found it was the young lady that he had just seen. Detecting at once that she was up to no good, he sternly bade her be gone. And then, but then she produced a lump of gold, which he did not take, but instead smacked out of her hand. And he told her to go away or he would call his friend. So she had no alternative but to go, muttering something about his heart being like stone or iron. The next day, or over the next couple of days, young candidates for the examination came and lodged in the East Rooms with the servants. He, however, was killed that very night and his servant the night after. The corpses of both showing a small hole in the sole of their feet, as if bored by a drill from which blood spilled. No one knew who had committed these murders, and when Mr. Yen came home, Ning asked him what he thought about it. Yen replied that it was the work of devils, but Ning was a brave fellow, and that didn't frighten him too much. It would frighten the snot out of me, but whatever. There's murders going on, and they're just like, all right, we're going to bed. We're going back to bed. And moving on. What's funny is a lot of these sort of parables are like that. There's not really a lot of law enforcement to be found. In the middle of the night, however, 
appeared the young woman again. And she said, I've seen many men, but none with a strong heart like yours. You're an upright man, and I will not attempt to deceive you again. I died when I was only 18. I was buried along the side of this temple. A devil took possession of my body, and he employs me to bewitch people by my beauty, contrary to what I'd like to do. You're the only person left here to slay, and I fear that the imps will be employed to kill you. Ming was very frightened at this and asked her what he should do. She says, go sleep in the same room as Mr. Yen. He replied, what? Can't, can't the spirits get to him? She goes, he's a strange man. They don't really like going near him. He then inquired how the spirits worked. I bewitch people, she said. And then sometimes they bore a hole in their foot, which renders the victim useless and proceed to drink off their blood. Another method, they have me tempt people by bringing them a piece of gold. And if they receive it, they return to rip out their hearts and livers. Either method is used according to whatever they like. Ning thanked her and asked when he ought to be prepared to receive those visitors, to which she replied tomorrow night. At parting, she wept. She said, if your sense of duty is boundless and you can save me, please collect my bones and bury them up to some quiet spot, and I shall not again be subject to these misfortunes. Ning said he would do so and asked where she lay buried at the foot of the aspen tree on which there is a bird's nest, and she pointed towards the tree. And passing out of the door, she vanished. So that's the first part of the story, right? Just kind of getting into... Um, I have no idea if there's more to it or if that's the abridged version. It's always funny <laughs> to me how the Chinese are just kind of like, what's going on? Hey, I'm here for random exposition, and this is what's going on. Right? Um, so she's clearly a ghost. Similar and familiar to a lot of I guess, American classic ghost stories that you hear mm -hmm. about this strange heavenly type woman appearing in the night and, you know, finding some bewildered person or man and, I, I don't know, striking up some sort of conversation only for you to learn, like, I've been dead for 50 years. Yep, yep, that sort of ghost haunting you thing. The, the cool thing about, the, uh, about some of the Chinese ghosts is when we talked about, like, uh, when a person, there's different parts to a person's soul. Some parts are the classical, like, I can see through you, shimmering ghost, can't really interact with you sort of thing. Other parts, you would never be able to tell that a person was a ghost. Like, they'll eat with you and talk with you and drink with you and you can touch them. And, and um, yeah, this is like the latter, the latter version of that. Yeah, um, yeah. So... Um, yeah, so I'll go on a little bit further with this one. I'm not going to read the whole thing because this like goes on into his life and all kinds of stuff later, but we're in the ghost story right now, which is kind of cool. So the next day, Ning was afraid that Yen might be going away somewhere. I would be too. And he went over early to invite him for breakfast. Wine and food were, oh, maybe it wasn't breakfast. Wine and food were produced towards noon. There we go. And Ning, who took care not to lose sight of Yen, then asked him to remain there for the night. Yen declined on the ground that he liked being by himself. But Ning wouldn't hear any excuses. He carried all of Yen th Yen's things to his own room so that he had no alternative but to consent. However, <laughs> like he just yeah. like picked up this dude's stuff and was like, you're sleeping with me. Come on. He did. And you know what's funny is I think that's, I, I probably would have done the same thing. Be like, all right, if, if, I, if I can't stay with you, then you're coming over here. You know, good old fashioned sleepover. I don't think casual, casual kidnapping, fun sleepover <laughs> type of so Ning consented, I'm uh, not Ning, Yen, Yen consented like you do. However, he issued an odd warning to Ning saying, all right, I know you're a gentleman and a man of honor. If you see anything you don't understand, 
don't be too inquisitive. Don't pry into my boxes, or it could be the worst for both of us. Ming promised to attend, just as he said, and by and by, they both lay down to sleep. Yen, having placed his boxes near the windowsill and the door, was soon snoring loudly. Ming himself could not sleep, and after some time, he saw a figure moving stealthily outside, a link approaching the window to peep through. Its eyes flashed like lightning, and Ning, in a terrible fright, was just upon the point of calling to Yen, when, as the creature tried to come through the window, something flew out of one of the boxes like a strip of white silk, and dashing against the windowsill, returned once to the box, disappearing very much like lightning. Yen heard the noise and got up, Ming all the time pretending to be asleep in order to watch what happened. The former then opened the box, took out something which he smelt and examined by the light of the moon. It was dazzlingly white like a crystal, about two inches in length and as wide as an onion leaf in breadth. Apparently, they all would have known how wide an onion leaf was. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's definitely, I mean, if you don't know, where have you been? That's, that's general knowledge at this point. I, clearly, yes. I'll have to, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie, I don't know. Then he wrapped it up carefully and put it back in the broken box, saying, what a bold devil that was to try to break in on us. Upon which he went back to bed, but Ning, who was lost in astonishment, awoke, asked him what it all meant, and telling him at the same time what he had seen. All right, as you and I are becoming good friends, replied Yen, I won't make any secret of it. The fact is, I am a Taoist priest. But for the windowsill, the devil would have been killed. As he is, he's badly wounded. Ming asked him what it was all about, and what had happened, and, and the guy told him, well, I have many accoutrements, uh, some of which are swords, others are boxes that ward off demons. And uh, that box, he says, smelt the presence of the devil and acted. At Ning's request, he produced a weapon, a bright little miniature of a sword, and from, from that time, Ning had a lot of respect for his new friend. The next day, he found traces of blood outside the window, which led around to the north of the temple, and there among the graves, he discovered the aspen tree with the bird's nest. He then fulfilled his promise and prepared to go home. Yen gave him a farewell banquet, banquet presenting him with an old leather case, a sword case, which he said once contained a sword, and would keep at distance, all the devils and bogies. Ming then dug up the girl's bones, and having wrapped them up in grave clothes, or uh, traditional garments, hired a boat and set off on his way home. Now, here's where I'm going to pause for a minute, because the story goes on in terms of ghosts, but and he, a, a, a demon or a little imp does come looking for him. Um, but the, the thing about some of these stories is, in particular, this one's a longer one. I've got some other short stories, too, is it changes. Like, a lot of these stories don't stick to a particular genre. We're not going to stay in, like, the horror or the fantasy. Basically, what happens after this is this guy goes home. He buries the girl like he says he will. And now she becomes bound to his place of residence. But she's no longer tormented by the devils. And she asks if she can stay. And long story short, they basically adopt a little ghost girl who helps them out with chores. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it kind of, yeah, it kind of takes on a different, a different sort of stint to it. Um, and then, of course, they go through different things. When the little devil thing comes along after him, uh, the sword case keeps it at bay, and he, find, he finds a way to keep his family ground safe, and the demons give up and go to bug somebody else. And so, and, and I can read that if you want, but oh my God, we get into a lot of like, like family just 
the mother raised some alarm and she didn't know whether or not to trust the ghost girl. So the first two nights she made her sleep under a tree. And then, you know, eventually she came to love her like a daughter and all this sort of thing. Um, yeah, that's a, I mean, okay, so wait, to clarify. Yes. The ghost woman mm-hmm. starts living with the man mm-hmm. and they adopt a ghost daughter. No, 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 no. She winds up becoming like the daughter. Like she winds up becoming a part of the household. Oh, okay, so he already has a wife. Yeah, he does. Or, some, or he gets a wife or someone. Okay, in typical fairy tale fashion, he comes home and he has a sick wife. And the ghost girl essentially tries to tend to the family and tries to heal the wife. She winds up passing away. They all mourn the wife for a while. And then he kind of has a fling with the ghost. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Like you do. Like you and, do. Yeah, it's very, it's very much like, have you ever seen, there was an old Peter O'Toole movie called High Spirits. Yes, I love that movie. It's very much like that movie. Like in a sense that <laughs> she winds up living with them as she's a ghost. She's still a ghost. But for all intents and purposes, she winds up living with them like a person who just can't leave. Okay. Very much like that. And then, then there comes another ghost child. Uh, they mention children, but I think, they're, I think they're just normal. I think they're just normal. Okay. Yeah. Okay, because I thought... But, you know, she gets bound to him at his house. Yeah, and she's then stuck they, And then they adopt a ghost child. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's okay. with his parents. It's Chinese, you know. It's that whole three generations in the same house sort of thing. Gotcha, gotcha. So okay. his, his mama adopts her, which is awkward. because then they. Oh, okay. You know, but yeah. That so, makes more sense. Because I was like, why would she be afraid by a ghost child when she's a ghost herself? No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. I didn't explain that. For anybody listening at home, I'm not even drinking and I didn't explain that problem. Um, <laughs> well, I am drinking, which is, I might have just not understood it because I am drinking. <laughs> yeah, she returns, way. she returns home with him and gets adopted by the mom, by his mom. Ning, gotcha. Ning's okay. mother. And they love her like a daughter, a pretty little ghost girl daughter. Um, so the funny thing about that is in terms of the Chinese, they actually divided. And we have this sort of concept, although not in a um, supernatural idea, in Western society. You've got the, the emotional mind and your logical mind, right? And so there were two parts of the soul in, in Chinese literature, or in, at least in these stories. Uh, and the Chinese words are po and hun. But you can think of it as yin and yang. The yin aspect of the soul, it develops when you're in the womb. It's governing you pretty much until you're six or seven years old, which funnily enough, they're saying that the subconscious governs most kids until they're about seven or eight years old. And um, it, this is the, the, the instinct, the subconscious, the urges that we all have, right? The, the bits that we evolved from in the animal kingdom. The hun or the yang aspect of the soul um, is that upper level of thinking, your logical mind, the, the intelligence of a person. It's weak at birth, but it evolves and strengthens as reason develops and as we get smarter. And what's funny is um, that part of your mind is not said to reach like full maturity until you're at least 50 years old. So the Chinese have this concept of you can grow in knowledge and maturity for a long time. And I, I would argue a lot of people aren't mature at like even 50, but. I mean, I think, I mean, I think that's more of a, an acceptable viewpoint than what we currently have in the United States where, you know, 18, <laughs> you're considered an adult mm-hmm. and then 21, you can drink. Whereas your brain physically doesn't stop developing until you're what, 25, 26, something like that. Yeah. Like your frontal lobe isn't even fully developed until you're mid to late twenties, but you're considered an adult by the time you're 18, <laughs> which exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I guess you've got to put, 
certain, you know, you've got to draw a line in the sand for certain things at some point in time. Um, oh, but so the aspects of those two aspects of the soul, the reason I bring that up is because depending on which part of the soul you're dealing with, determines the type of ghost. The, the yang ghost, the hun ghost, the type of ghost that she was, is that yang, hun, whatever, the type of ghost that she was, was the physical kind. Like you wouldn't even know they were a ghost. You know, they're gotcha. not the typical move things with their mind and uh, all kinds of stuff, right? Very corporeal. So, yeah, so stories of ghosts haunting a house where they used to live or haunting relatives or appearing to strangers for helps, that's pole or yin haunting. It's considered a yin spirit. And usually it's because they weren't buried properly. And like one of the best known stories, I'm, I'm reading a little bit, some of these quotes that I, that I pulled out, um, is about the ghost of a girl who visits the home of her brothers. And the spirit was so irritating. She wasn't buried properly, right? The spirit was so irritating that they caught it, put it in a bag and threw it down a well. The next night it came back carrying the bag and haunted them again. This time, <laughs> this time they stuffed, they stuffed her back into the bag, tied a rock to it and threw it in the river. The next night, the little girl came back and this time the brothers realizing what had to be done, hollowed out a log, uh, capped on each end, set adrift in the river with her remains and said a little prayer. Thereupon she thanked them for the proper burial and never bothered them again. Oh, baby. So it's, it's that, well, yeah, it still took her book. Is that, that typical of siblings though? It's like, ah, oh, you're dead, but little sis, leave me alone. You know? <laughs> I'm just surprised um, when she showed up, she didn't throw rocks at them that they tried to like drown her with. <laughs> that would have been right? like flinging rocks. You know, one of the other things I think that is kind of cool about a lot of these stories is some of the ghosts. We have this idea like in Western culture, we see a ghost, it can like mentally throw stuff at you or haunt you or possess you. In Chinese and some Japanese folklores, and most of them, if the ghost can interact with you, you can interact with it. And so there are stories of guys getting mad at like this one. They, they put the ghost in a bag and just threw it in the river. Like you can get mad and just bitch slap a ghost if it's bugging you. <laughs> um, you can interact with them. Like it's a two-way street, which I, I always thought was kind of funny, you know? Oh, 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 different. The hun hauntings, the yang hauntings, they're different because that's the different manifestation, I guess you would say, right? So these are the ones where they take revenge on people. They come back. Um, you can see them almost like as an astral self or in dreams or weird kinds of things. So um, another tale, uh, this one, I think the moral was basically about keeping your own word. Tells of a gentleman named Marshall Lee. Marshall wanted to marry a young girl, but was refused by her mother. Lee had to have her, like you do. And he vowed he would never marry if he could not marry her. Well, over time, he proved himself so devoted and persistent that the mother let him marry her daughter, and he swore to be faithful forever. After mm -hmm. a few years, yeah, yeah, remember that word. <laughs> After a few years, however, no foreshadowing there at all. Um, right, right, right. After a few years, the girl died, and only one year later, we arranged to marry someone else. Just before his marriage, when he was soaking in his bath, the hun, the, the ghostly spirit of his first wife, appeared, reminding him how he had promised that he would never marry anyone else. She sprinkled herbs into his bath and then vanished. Lee began to feel soft and weak, and he became so bloated that he could not move. He died in his bathtub, and when he was found, his bones and his tendons had dissolved. 
In addition to the importance of keeping one's word, this tale emphasized how one should always observe a proper period of mourning. (laughs) (laughs) I, it's funny because while you were talking about it, I was like, oh, she's going to cook him. She sprinkled herbs in there. She's going to cook him. And you're like, he became tender. And I was like, ooh, soup. Yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, the way he liked it. Did we really need the, 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 I mean, he died in his bathtub. Cool. We could just leave it at that. But when he was found, like, oh, man, (laughs) we're going to describe it. I mean, because you have to know the, it's like you said, it's like the Grimm's. There's a parable. It's a story. There's a moral to the story. Like, so you have to know the gory bits. You have to know that the mermaid jumped off a cliff and she turned into sea foam or something. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You know what's funny? And I didn't look this up, but I, I did think the same thing that I thought when I read this again. I feel like a year is a proper mourning period. Like, how long are you supposed to wait? I think there's different mourning periods. I would say, I mean, it depends on the person, of course, and how much you actually love them, I guess. But I feel like if, you know, your wife dies one day and two weeks later you're married to someone else, there might be a problem. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, I don't think that's appropriate, like, anywhere, you know? <laughs> um, In that case, you might want to investigate that death a little more closely just to, mm-hmm. just to make sure, you know. Make sure there wasn't any insurance money taken advantage of there. Right, 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 right. So from here, like, just talking, I think like we've done a little bit of talking about the concept of ghosts, you know? Uh, there's a couple different places we could go. I thought I would give you the choice and see if anything seemed interesting to you. Um, Ooh, pick because, your own adventure. Yes, pick your own adventure. I, I warn you, you may die of dysentery. Um, <laughs> we've got, you can go into the demons, the ghouls, the zombies, the sort of more, I don't want to say supernatural, but like, the, the deities, the things that aren't really human, right? That are just, just monsters. Um, but then there's a whole, like, um, this is probably more closely related to the concepts that you would find in uh, American Indian culture with um, animal and nature spirits. Like you have, you know, fox spirits and different sorts of things that aren't human, but they're not necessarily evil and they're more a part of the natural world right um and then i did pull up a few things that are kind of fun and this actually does tie into martial arts um about warding off and protecting against malevolent entities or evil ghosts and uh, so i didn't i didn't know what sounded more fun in terms of that hmm that's um Personally, I would love to hear about some of the monsters. Good, because I've got a pretty good one with a with a with the devil in it. Like that, oh, okay. that's pretty fun. Let's do that. <laughs> we can we can do that definitely. Um, I really have to point out though, there isn't, or at least not that I've ever come across. And even in doing research for this, I wondered if maybe my knowledge was somewhat incomplete. And anybody out there who is much more nuanced in Chinese religious views than I am, there really isn't a concept of the devil like an ultimate evil. And this is sort of backed up by Chinese um, mythology, or not, not Chinese mythology, excuse me, like, like philosophy. The concept of yin and yang is that you really can't get an ultimate or extreme anything because at the point of darkest night, it's, it's the darkest night. It's already starting to become day. You know, the old joke uh, is how far can you run into a forest? 
as far as the forest goes? Halfway. Oh, because at some point they're running running out out of the forest. Yeah. It's this sort of seamless back and forth thing. And so the cool thing about that is there's no like that I've ever come across. There's no ultimate evil. So you get a lot of little evils, essentially. Okay. Okay. Um, The Chinese had a lot of different hells, right? Have you ever seen Big Trouble in Little China? Uh, No. Okay, it's it's another movie where they make mention of a lot of different hells. And there's something like, I mean, oh my goodness, there's like 12,000 different kinds of hell. There's cold hells and dark hells and there's hells underground. There's, there's, a, there's a hell that I, I read about once, and it's a hell of endless paperwork, and it's run by bureaucrats. <laughs> and okay. you, you could be punished and sent to that hell, and you'd have to fill out paperwork, and you would never, ever, ever get it approved. Like, they, they had just, they had it on lock when it came Every, down to Everything that. has to be in triplicate. There's no carbon paper. You have to write it out by hand. Yep, that is exactly it. Um, and so... That, that was sort of their, uh, they still had concepts of hells and you could wind up going through and atoning and being reincarnated in, in certain, um, I don't know if that's Buddhist specific. Uh, I'd have to look up the exact religion, but different religions like came about a different ways. All right, The Painted Skin. Now, this is another one. It's kind of like, it's, none of these are like simple short stories. They're all in different acts. This one is a four-act story, but I think the first and possibly the second act are uh, more of what we think of in terms of like a monster story or a ghost story. And so, a scholar meets a beautiful maiden whom he invites to stay with him, but all may not be what it seems. Bum, bum, bum. I was going to go, wah, ha, 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 ha. At a place called Taiyuan, there lived a man named Wong. One morning, when he was out walking, he met a young lady carrying a huge bundle and just hurrying along by herself. As she moved along with some difficulty, Wong quickened his pace and caught up and found that she was a pretty girl of about 16. He inquired whether she was where she was going so early and with no one to attend her. A traveler like you, replied the girl, cannot alleviate my distress. Why even trouble yourself to ask? What, what distress is it? asked Wong. I mean, I'm sure I can do something to help you. My parents, she answered, loved money. And they sold me as a concubine into a rich family, where the wife was very jealous and she beat and abused me morning and night. It was more than I can stand, so I have just run away. Wong, being concerned, asked her where she was going to which she replied that a runway had no fixed place to go. My house, said Wang, is of no great distance. What do you say to coming there and staying with me and my wife? She joyfully acquiesced, and Wang, taking up her bundle, led the way to his house. Finding no one there, she asked Wang where his family was, to which he replied that the room she was in was only the library. Being a man of means, he said that she could stay. And it's a very nice place, too. But... If you're kind enough to save my life, you mustn't let anyone know that I am here. Wong promised that he would not divulge her secret, and so she remained there for some days, without anyone knowing about it. He also told his wife, but she, fearing the girl might belong to some influential family, advised him to send her away. This, however, he would not consent to do. A little later, going into the town, Wong met a Taoist priest, who looked at him in astonishment, and asked him what he had met, what had been happening. I've met nothing, replied Wong. Why? Well, said the priest, 
you appear to be bewitched. Do you, what do you mean by not having met anything? But Wang insisted that it was so, and the priest walked away saying, The fool, some people don't seem to know when their death is at hand. This startled Wang, who at first thought of the girl, but then he reflected that the pretty young thing, as she was, couldn't be a witch. And he began to suspect the priest of merely having a jest or wanting to do a bit of business and trade. When he returned, the library door was shut and he couldn't get in, which made him suspect that something was wrong. So he climbed over one of the walls where he found the door of the inner room shut too. Softly creeping up, he looked through the window and saw a hideous devil with a green face and jagged teeth like a saw, spreading a human skin upon the bed and painting it with a paintbrush. The devil then threw aside the brush, giving the skin a shakeout just as you would a coat. It threw it over its shoulders, adjusted it, and then lo, before him was the girl he had known. Terrified at this, Wong hurried away with his head down in search of the priest, who had gone he knew not where. Subsequently finding him in the fields, however, he threw himself on his knees and begged the priest to save him. Uh, as to driving her away, said the priest, the creature must be in great distress to be seeking a substitute for herself. Besides, I could hardly bear to injure a living thing. However, he gave Wang a fly brush and bade him hand it, uh, hold it, place it at the door to the bedroom. And he agreed to meet again at this particular temple at this particular time. Wang went home, but he did not dare into the library. So he hung up the brush by the bedroom door as instructed, and before long he heard the sound of footsteps outside. Scared and not daring to move, he made his wife peep out. And she's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. Okay, yep. Babe, babe. <laughs> he made his wife peep out, and she saw the girl standing, looking at the brush, afraid to pass it. She then ground her teeth and went away. But in a little while, she came back. Stealing herself, she began cursing, saying, What is this? The work of a priest? You will not frighten me. You think I'm going to give up what is already mine? Thereupon, she tore past the brush, tore, uh, tearing it to pieces, bursting through the door, walking straight up to the bed, where she ripped open Wong and tore his heart out. Oh, okay. Cool. Mm -hmm. Like you do. Cool. Right, yeah. Uh, then she took it and she went away. Wong's <laughs> wife. <Yeah. laughs> Super casual, right? Just right. yoink. Nine. Wong's wife screamed out. And the servant came in with a light, but Wang was already dead and presented a most miserable spectacle. His wife, who was in agony of fright, had hardly dared to cry out her fear for making a noise. And the next day, she sent Wang's brother to see the priest. The priest got into a great rage hearing what happened and cried out, Was it for this that I had compassion on you, devil? And proceeding at once with Wang's brother to the house, from whence the girl had, of course, disappeared without anyone knowing where she'd gone. But the priest, raising his head, looked all around and said, Luckily, I don't feel she's far off. He then asked who lived in these apartments on the south side, to which Wang's brother replied that it was his place, whereupon the priest declared that that is where she would be found. Wang's brother was horribly, horribly frightened and said he didn't think so, or maybe he just hoped not. But then the priest asked him if any stranger had been to his house recently. To this he answered that he'd been out, uh, and he couldn't possibly say. But he went back to inquire, and in a little while he came back, much shaken, and reported that an old woman had sought service with them as a maid, and had been engaged by his wife. That must be she, said the priest, 
and Wong's brother added she was still there, and they all set out to Wong's brother's house together. The priest took a wooden sword. I, it's always wooden in these. I don't know why it's not a real sword, especially given how he uses it here in a minute. But he took his wooden sword, and standing in the middle of the courtyard, shouted out, You fiend, give me back my fly brush. Meanwhile, the new maid... Uh, the new maid was in a great state of alarm and tried to get away by the door, but the priest struck her down and she fell flat, the human skin dropping off in the place where she was struck, and he could see that she was a hideous devil. There she lay grunting like a pig, That's nice. until the priest grasped his wooden sword and struck off her head. She then became a dense column of smoke curling up from the ground, wherein the priest took an uncorked gourd and threw it right in the middle of the smoke. A sucking noise was heard, and the whole column was drawn into the board, after which the priest corked it up closely and put it in his pouch. The skin, too, was very complete, even to the eyebrows, eyes, hands, and feet. He also rolled this up as if it had been a scroll. He was on the point of leaving with it when Wang's wife stopped him, and with tears entreated him to bring her husband back to life, but he said he was unable to do that. Then it goes on, and his wife goes on a quest to bring the husband back to life. I mean, but why? Like, I, I know. I mean, he kind of sent you to confront a ghost devil. <laughs> no, no, no. He just on, on your own, and you you still want him back. Okay. He just sent her to look. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. sure. like he didn't send her to. I mean, she didn't say go outside or anything. Mm -hmm. I'm right behind you, babe. Yeah. yeah exactly. I'm right behind you, babe. <laughs> No, he was you you read it she walked in he was in bed he was he was in bed with the 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 sheets like pulled up to his nose <laughs> babe what do you see outside i'm right behind you you go first just just check just check mm -hmm. so uh chinese let's see you've got the mogwai or oh by the way mo, mo, do you ever see gremlins yes mogwai uh literally means devil or demon it's one of the words for that it's a type of devil or demon it can also be written mogwai like gizmo Oh, yeah. The Mogwai were a type of devil or demon, and they reproduced in the water with the coming rains. So uh, that movie actually borrowed from some aspects yeah, of... You're yep. not supposed to get them wet. Yeah. Unlike the movie, however, they reproduced sexually. Oh, um, okay. So I, I'm guessing that that was just a, a choice. I mean, I, I feel like the movie was probably PG-13, so... You <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you gotta, like you said earlier, you got to draw the line somewhere. Um, yeah, they're also called uh, Yao Guai in, in Japanese. It's uh, Yokai. Or are you a fan of the Studio Ghibli films? Oddly enough, I had never seen any of them until maybe a month ago. And Mononoke is another way to spell Yokai, uh, which translated Yao Guai from uh, Chinese means monster or refers to a, um, a devil or a demon like a, like, a, like a monster. Basically what we would think of as a monster in an American sense. Yeah. Okay. So she was the princess of the monsters. Of the so monsters, the yeah. Words, the words, yeah. Interesting. Yep. In, in terms of going back to like the demons and stuff in Chinese culture, there's a bunch of them. There's all kinds of demons. They've got all kinds of crazy names. I didn't even bother memorizing all of them. Um, if you've ever watched like Power Rangers and stuff, you've seen some of these demons because it's super common to just go into uh, Japanese and Chinese mythology and just pick one that you think sounds cool and bring it to life. Um, I'll read out a couple of the names and descriptions. And by the way, guys, not all of these names have the proper tones written with them. And I can read many of these Chinese characters, but I can't read all of them. So again, please don't like roast me alive for not. Email Bobby at Bobby. <laughs> at leave me alone. 
I'm learning.com. <laughs> um, so yeah, and with, in fact, we'll talk about we'll talk about Chinese tones here in a minute. So I think that's kind of fun as well. But Du Jiao Gui Wang, the single-horned demon king, is a very powerful demon whose demonic essence is concentrated in his horn, and he's said to be so powerful that no one really knows what he's capable of. Yeah, literally, like I got no idea. So he was a friend in uh, of the Monkey King, which again from Dragon Ball Z, it was based on the Monkey King, the Chinese thing. And that's the, uh, if you ever saw, uh, I guess it was, is it the Forbidden, Forbidden Temple? What was the Jet Li Jackie Chan movie where the Monkey King was in it as well? But he's a very popular. Yeah, uh, I didn't journey, see it. Journey to the West. There's a bunch of demons in that. Um, you've got the Dao Lao Gui. That means knife something demon, because I can't read the second word. And it's a Chinese demon who lives in the mountains. He likes to roar in the wind and rain and he shoots poisonous darts. Venom from the male demon kills instantly, and from the female induces swelling and lengthens the agony. Uh, the dart of the Dao Lao Gui means certain death within a day. Shan Xiao. Shan means mountain. I don't know what the other one is. A uh, monster that lives in the mountains, large teeth covered in fur, super strong, and can tear lions and tigers apart with its bare hands. Ooh, classic zombie. I'm going to go down to that one. The concept of the zombie is a Jiang Shi. And that's any type of Chinese ghost or demon. Oh, I'm sorry. Any compilation of Chinese ghost or demons would not be complete without the ultimate monster, the Jiangshu. Jiangshu, those types of zombies, um, they can oftentimes pass for humans. Sometimes they have white hair or long fingernails. And they kind of go back and forth a little bit between, they don't really have like a proper vampire that I've heard of. There's some humans that will like, instead of drinking your blood, they drain your life force. Like they, they, they say they steal your breath. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, so he's, he's in that category. But sometimes the Jiangshir can become so lifelike that they can even pass for officials and walk around in the streets. So basically the government. <laughs> Pretty much. We can think, I mean, can we think of any government officials that look kind of old and mummified and white-haired and white-skinned and walk very stiffly around? That aren't monsters, no. <laughs> See, that's that's the real conspiracy, everybody. It's not the, the lizard people. It's, <laughs> it's the juncture. We are Chinese zombies yep. are among us. Yep, yep. They work in the Republican Party. <laughs> Probably, actually. Listen, if you've, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time and that statement is a surprise to you that I would make, then you've not been listening closely. It's enough. not. It's not. The only problem is I can see some of those in both, on both sides of the fence is the issue. You are right. You are correct. I will, I will make that um, concession. Yes. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to do an experiment with you. Not an experiment. Uh, a language exploration with you if you're keen sure (laughs) i need you to drink a little more first because this is more fun if you are actually slurring your words but oh oh well (laughs) the way this stuff burns i don't know how much more i can drink chug 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 i'm not encouraging excess drinking here on the show guys (laughs) oof oh oof um, so, okay, so Chinese, as, as I think most people know, um, but just for anyone who doesn't, it's a, it's a tonal language. And it means that the way you say a word, even if you say the same syllable, can change the meaning of the word. We have tones in romant- romantic languages as well. 
um, or Latin-based languages, what are they called, romance languages, I don't know. But the concept of a tone for us is, is it, it changes the, the um, emotional intent behind the word, but the word remains the same. Like in greeting somebody, you can say hi, or you can say hi. And you're like, oh, you said hi to me, but uh, in one of those, something was wrong. You know what right. I mean? Right. But right. It, does, it doesn't change the fact that I said hi. In Chinese, that is not the case. Um, and so there's the first sort of language lesson. If, I'm, if I remember talking to somebody about Chinese, I like to use the word ma, M-A, just ma. Okay, as sort of an explanation or an illustration as to how messed up tones can be sometimes. <laughs> just, just kind of work with you on this. Just say ma. Ma. Yeah, super simple, right? M-A, ma, like mama, which is, is a word we've stolen from Chinese, by the way. Um, ma. I did not know that. Okay. Yep. So ma, like, like high and flat. Can you hear how I'm raising it? Ma. Say that. Ma. You got to kind of sing it. Ma. Ma. Good enough. So ma I'm an alto, okay? I can't <laughs> hit certain notes. No, 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 no. This uh, is the, there you go, yeah. But this is all relative to your voice. It's within your normal, normal vocal inflection. It's just upper end of your voice. So ma, that's called first tone. First tone is like high and flat and singing. Ma means mother, okay? Okay. Okay. Second tone is like you're asking a question. When you ask a question, you have that sort of lift up at the end of your voice, like what? Right? So ma. Ma. Yeah, actually, yes. That, that's, uh, you just said hemp, cannabis, or weed. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, in researching this, because um, I knew that that word meant hemp, but I just kind of looked it up to double check. I, I learned that that is the oldest word that we can find that refers to weed in any language. Very so, nice. There so you go, now, guys. all of my potheads that I know listen, there yep. you go. Somewhere around 2,500 years ago, you know, that word. If you guys can think of any, any words older than that for weed, I'd be curious to learn. So first tone, ma, second tone, ma. Third tone, it, it's like it drops in, it's like a little valley. It's a little diphthong in the middle. It's ma. Ma. Yeah, pretty good, yeah. Ma. Ma. So this is a little like valley in the middle. That means horse. So, so you're called, you've now called your mother a weed smoking horse. You can actually, <laughs> and you can get in a lot of trouble as I think you're starting to see if you don't see the right tone. Right. Like, how's your ma? How's your horse? What? Your mother? Oh, shit. Um, okay. And then the last one. Uh, so you've got high and flat, rising, this little diphthong in the middle. The last one, fourth tone, it falls flat on its face. It's like you're pissed at someone. Hear how there's that, that drop? So ma. Ma. Yeah, pretty much. Sharp, flat, just drops down. That means to scold or yell at somebody. That makes, I mean, because usually if I'm mad at my mother, I go ma. Yeah, that's how I say it. <laughs> yeah, but, but, it, but see, here's the thing. You could say ma uh, by itself, and it has nothing to do with mother. <laughs> like, gotcha, it's, just, gotcha. it's just the word. And in fact, ma, ma, ma in Chinese is a complete sentence. I just said mom yelled at the horse. That is awesome. <laughs> it'll, it'll mess you up if you do not get the language correct. But yeah, so, so Chinese is tonal. You can have the same word, the same, you know, bit and a completely different meaning come out of it. Like Fiji is, is an airplane. Uh, Fiji is Fiji, as in the island. So there's just all kinds of, it's just whole languages like that. If, you, if your tones aren't very good and you don't put it in the right order. Um, you you're in some really, trouble. You're in trouble. Or you know what's funny is most of the time you don't get, you don't get it so wrong that anybody's going to yell at you, but you literally just can't be understood. Um, I, I don't know how, how, inquisitive you are or your listeners would be about like linguistics because i know we're talking about i mean we're talking about the culture we're talking about like ghost stories and there's 
others that we can talk about that, that I have as well. But um, the other thing about a tonal language, any language really, um, because way back when I was an exchange student to France and I speak a little bit of French, I've got, I've got a decent ear for it, but my, my pronunciation and ability to speak it is horrible. There's this weird thing that happens where if you don't form your mouth to the correct shape for the language, it's very difficult, even if you understand the word and know what it's supposed to sound like for you to recreate that sound. And like in French, a lot of it's like guttural. The, the R's are pronounced in the, it's nasal. They call it nasal vowels. He's talking at the back of the throat. In um, Spanish, you have that, that rolling R sound, you know? And so just a last, last little experiment, just because I think this, this always amuses me. And I've done this with some of my friends. Is um, okay, but I can't roll an R, so don't. No, no, no. you don't. You don't have to roll an R. Okay. You don't have to roll okay. an R. No, I'm uh, very ashamed by that fact. Thank you, but also now I kind of want. I kind of want you to try now. I, I listen. Me trying is <laughs> a comic routine in and of itself. I I don't know what the secret is. I am hoping to stumble upon it someday. It might be genetic. <laughs> I just it might it might be yeah. Just some I've not been able to master a rolled R, much to my chagrin. Okay, so uh, one of the things that because uh, I, I studied uh, some of my Chinese under like a linguist, the guy spoke like six or seven different languages. It was crazy, and um, one of the things that he always stressed with us is the shape of the mouth and how you where you put your tongue, how you use parts of your you know your vocal anatomy to create the proper sounds. And so for Chinese, for English, for example. We speak with the tip of the tongue a lot. So like the tip of the tongue is up towards the, the top part of the front of the teeth towards the roof of the mouth, right? Right, right. And so in Chinese, what I'd like you to do is take the tip of your tongue, press it against the bottom part of your teeth, like, like, ah, like low in your mouth. If uh -huh. you keep it pressed, yeah, 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 exactly. If you uh -huh. keep it pressed, <laughs> I know you guys aren't getting the visual, but I promise when we start talking here in a minute, this is going to be amusing. Um, and for anybody out there who's a linguist, if you're learning a different language, pay attention to the way they pronounce words, where they put, what shape do they make with their mouth, where do they put their tongue, because it, it helps you to create the sounds. So if you put your tongue behind your lower teeth, at, at the bottom of your teeth, and you keep it there. You have to glue it. Your tongue is now glued to your lower palate. My tongue is like this, my lower palate. Yeah. Now when you talk, uh -huh. now when you talk, everything kind of sounds like this. Right. And that's why, that's where the Chinese accent comes from. Because a Chinese person will come to this country and learn English, or they'll learn it in, in their home country. Nobody tells them to lift the tip of the tongue to enunciate oh. English words. The tongue stays where it naturally is for their language, which is right here. And that's why we have this accent of somebody who will speak a Chinese because nobody told them how to shape their mouth to speak English. That is so interesting. Yeah, oh right? my gosh. And conversely, the reverse is also true. If you want to get better like at speaking Chinese, place the tip of your tongue under here and all of a sudden, all the words in Chinese, ni hao, wo, what it means jiao, babi, bao bi, it helps with your pronunciation because my, my mouth is shaped the correct way. I just always thought that was really fascinating. I'm super excited that I get to share that. I don't know if anybody cares, but <laughs> I thought it was cool. Listen, we learn about all sorts of random shit on this show, <laughs> and that's probably the most educational, quite honestly, considering yeah. our other facts are pigs will eat you and that Bruce Lee is dead. So, um, you know, 
There you go. Okay. First of all, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna hang on to this for a minute that I came on to a, a a show with boozed in the title and taught something educational. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I feel like it's I mean, a good that thing. That is this is the most highbrow episode we have. <laughs> Dang it. Oh, if I'm ever on again, we're gonna have to get just totally trash just to to make up for it, I guess, to everybody. <laughs> yeah, you've brought you you've made us too classy, sir. And uh, um, I don't know if this could ever see the light of day. Oh no, that was not my intent. <laughs> my, my second question though is what about Bruce Lee? Like was there a do people not think he's dead? Yeah, there's been a couple. It's been there... a couple. Um, I would direct you to the Christmas episode. Oh, good, good. I'm gonna look it up. And also let's get biblical part one and part two. And one of those parts will have the question of Bruce Lee's um, mortality in it, ah. so to speak. I think it's part one. I think it's part one. So yeah. the Christmas episode and Let's Get Biblical part one um, includes a Bruce Lee education. I, uh, I don't, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole because I'm really going to piss a lot of people off. Um, but I am curious, and I will go back and listen. Uh, were these Bruce Lee fans or not Bruce Lee fans? No, I mean, there are people who thought they were probably Bruce Lee fans yeah. and then weren't. I mean, they, they're people who knew Bruce Lee as kind of most laymen know Bruce Lee right. as a martial arts movie star. Right, That's which about, is what he was. He absolutely right. was. Was he a master? Mm. Was he really, really good? No. Uh-oh. Was he oh. a good husband? No. Oh, oh. okay. We're going to get an email. He was found dead in his girlfriend's house. Um, oh. Or actually, I mean, that's, that's where he was when they took him to the hospital. Okay. Did it not more than likely, that. it more than likely wasn't a, uh, it was probably more than likely a drug overdose, not like somebody killed him or anything like that. Like, and his family covered it up because his wife was mortified, which I would be too. Um, you are dropping some. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've trained. I've facts. trained with with, wow. with people who trained with him. Um, okay. So I'm familiar with with those some of those individuals and things like that. And um, yeah, and and it's not to not to shed light on anything. It's just you know, he he was he was a fantastic movie star. He's a very very good example of an early mixed martial artist in all the things that he discovered. I love that he brought kung fu to the forefront. But I mean, I'm I'm many years older now than he was when he died. And um, you know, when you die on top. Uh, under quote unquote mysterious circumstances um, that weren't martially related at all. Um, gotcha, Bruce Lee gotcha. was young. He was young. He was like in his what mid to late twenties. He was the Chinese equivalent of a young master. He died. Many people would say prior to you know he, he would have gotten much much better. So I'm I'm not necessarily negative on him. I just I, I hear so much of the mythos around. Yeah, that. it's it, like you were saying. It's the benefit of having died fairly early on in a career. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That lets you remain a legend like James mm -hmm. Dean or Marilyn Monroe, you know, kind of the events surrounding your death versus who you probably really were versus what your persona was mm -hmm. publicly. Um, yeah, we, we we can never know who he I mean, very few of us can know who he really was as a person and or what he might have been capable of going forward. So, exactly. And I think, yeah. I think he was fully capable of amazing things. To anybody listening also, I, I mean, I wasn't there. I, I got 
what I think are credible sources that are, you know, more realistic than you, the guy, but I wasn't there either. So, hey, who knows? There you go. I think the important tidbit to take out of this is that Boost is now a Bruce Lee fact-finding podcast. <laughs> I can send you guys some books and point you to some. <laughs> um, if well, anybody uh, needs any reference we'll materials. The, we'll link them in the show notes, right? <laughs> yeah, or, or by request. If you want to come find me, and the, the name of the guy was Wong Jack Man, the one they sent to, to fight Bruce Lee. If you want to Wong Jack Man me and beat me up, um, we can do there that. Go. I'm a martial artist. It's fine. Let's Please see. email Bobby at Bobby. Dot. <laughs> Bobby's going to get his ass kicked.com. Oh, yeah. Hilarious. Um, thank you so much for those wonderful stories. I was wondering if you perhaps had any personal interactions or experiences with the paranormal, be it like a ghost or a monster or some just like weird, strange or alien occurrence or other kind of occurrence that... So a, a few. So I, I guess two things. One is, well, I guess I'll start when I was, when I was younger. There's a house in my family. It belonged to an aunt uh, in Corpus Christi, Texas. So about six hours south of here. That's where I grew up along the coast. There was a house, I don't even know if it's still in the family, that everybody claimed was haunted. And that there was a ghost that lived there, a bona fide ghost. And I never got a backstory or if anything, you know, malicious had ever happened in that location or whatever. But I do remember as a kid, and bear in mind, I was young. I mean, I was little, I was not even in double digits in terms of age yet. And so I don't know how much of this happened. And then they told me or if they told me and then stuff started happening. I, I honestly can't tell you. So in my mind, right. it's genuine what the hell sort of occurrences. But uh, lights flickering on and off. There was a particular shower curtain. You'd be brushing your teeth and the shower curtain would open or close depending on whether or not it was open or closed. Nope, don't like that. No, thank so you. much so that once or twice, I would hear it close and I'd go, I think it was one of my cousins about to jump out at me and I'd open it and there was nothing going on. You know, and I'm like, what the, what the, and I know that there was definitely motion. I know that it moved because I could see it, you know, from, I could see it in the, the mirror, like reflected right. behind me, right? Um, there was a rocking chair that would move on its own. And apparently, like when you looked at it, it looked as if someone had just gotten up. It had that swaying motion. I have a memory of seeing that. Um, I don't think it was on the porch. I think it was in the house. I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because my, my grandmother would sit in that chair. Great grandmother. Man, I haven't thought about this in a while. Uh, yeah, so there was a house. There was a house that things would happen in. And it was your standard, like, flickering of lights. I, I confess, and to this day, I've always been a little bit, I would love to have a genuine encounter with a ghost or an alien. You know what I mean? I, like, I, I, I'm sure that this is just hubris. I'm sure that if I woke up in a, in a spacecraft and they were about to anal probe me, <laughs> it, would take on, it would take on like a whole nother meaning but right. in, my, in my mind right now i'd just be excited for the experience it's like i just want to be included you know and <laughs> and if like i woke up I was like, oh my god is it anal probe time wow you guys really do exist like that's, that's how i feel about it because um one of the things about chinese and, and hispanic culture is um I, I wasn't brought up to fear the dead i wasn't brought up to fear spirits um i have memories of going to graveyards at night and things like that. They were comforting places. And my, my parents always told me, it's like, well, if you've got family there, you have friends there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This idea, mm -hmm. that sort of idea. And I know you see this in movies like Coco, which is bringing that one up again. 
where it's it's honoring and remembering. My, my father is buried on our family land, and I still go out there to that site when I'm home to not just to pay my respects, but, but just, you know, I, I don't know if I believe there's anyone there, personally. I don't know if I believe anyone's watching, but on the off chance that there is, it feels respectful, and I always do feel comforted out there. And right now in this day and age, I would love to... I'm a member of a group on uh, Facebook and it's, it's, ha it's haunted and abandoned churches and they post photos and some before COVID they used to, we used to, they used to go to like different grave sites and things like that and see if you could just feel or find anything or just be afraid. And, uh, and I always now growing up, I, I want to be, I want to be scared. I want to be afraid. <laughs> I just, I, I just am not convinced at this okay. point about real ghosts and things like that. Um, maybe because I'm somewhat incredulous now, they don't want to talk to me anymore, which is pissing me off. So, but I do, I, I, I would like to have an experience, but I haven't had any of those experiences really since I was a kid. Thank you. Yes. Well, thank you so much for all of your stories and information and education. And we all clearly learned something. <laughs> well, I hope it was entertaining. Like I didn't even think about getting, I was super worried about like, you have that, um, that sort of imposter syndrome thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh my God, what if she asked me a question and I can't pronounce a simple Chinese word? And so I, I think I might've done like too much research. I, but... I, I appreciate you thinking that I would be smart enough to ask you anything pertaining to <laughs> Chinese culture that would you would not know, so. Well, I certainly hope it was entertaining and I hope that, that there were a couple <laughs> different kinds of stories. I hope they were amusing and that people liked them and that you wind up with a usable episode, so. Yeah, absolutely. Well. Um, to get us wrapped up for this evening, where would you like the people to find you? Would you like the people to find you on the interwebs? Is there oh, yourself, um, your company, anything you're yeah. promoting right now? Yeah, what's super weird is um, I, I will direct people to my business, sort of, which my Instagram is my business account, and I have a website that I haven't updated in like two or three months because when COVID hit, I quite literally flipped over to different Zoom meetings and started working for other individuals and organizations that needed me to broadcast for them. So, but that is still the best way to, to reach me is either through my website or my email address, which I don't mind giving out. Um, but no, the, the business name that I use, it's, called, it's, it's reset, like to reset something theory, reset theory. And you can go to .com or at reset theory on Facebook or Instagram. Um, pretty pretty simple and it's actually based on the Chinese idea I mean not Chinese it's just a general idea that the theory is you go you go you go when you mess up or if you get to a point you just reset and you do it again and that's how you build skill right over and over practice practice and I yell at my students all the time all right good job reset let's do it again um, so yeah that they can reach me there it's it's bobby.garcia at live live.com if anyone wants to send me an email if you don't like what I said about Bruce Lee let me know Bye. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Boozed. Our theme was composed by Vincent Parrish. Sound production is done by Sydney Johnson. You can find us on social media at Boozed Pod. That's B-O-O-S-E-D Pod. If you would like to support the show, please go to patreon.com slash boostpod to make a contribution. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, get boost.